The country's consumer watchdog is making it easier for customers to sue banks in class actions, a move which is sure to be widely opposed by financial industry groups, congressional Republicans, and the White House. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau adopted a new rule on Monday banning financial firms from forcing customers to arbitrate disputes and to give up their rights to go to court. My guests are Rafael Mangual, a legal policy project manager at the Manhattan Institute, and Mike Gonzal, a fellow at the Roosevelt Institute and founder of the Rorty Bomb Financial Blog, who is in the Bloomberg 991 studios. Mike, tell us about these mandatory arbitration clauses that are found often in the fine print of everything from credit cards to checking accounts. Yes, and they go far beyond that, too, to elderly uh, care homes, to uh, students in uh, for-profit schools. But in the financial world where the CFPB has jurisdiction, there are two big developments, I think, that happened in the last two years that really um, pushed this into the public consciousness. One's, one was a series of reporting by the New York Times really just saying how broad and widespread this is, um, that virtually every type, as you just mentioned, virtually every type of financial product, be it your credit card, be it uh, your checking account, basically anything that is not a more Mortgage, which is banned by law from having these kinds of arbitration laws being enforced, has these kinds of contracts. And it really is a transfer of power from people's ability to go to court, people's ability to be seen with public power, into private power, into settings set by the banks themselves. And the second was the Wells Fargo scandal. Um, what people found, weirdly enough, was that the fake accounts that people were signed up for had these arbitration accounts, so people could not actually sue in the way that they normally thought they would. So the potential for abuse became very apparent, even though it was always there. Raphael, what does this new rule by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau do? Well, it would essentially ban banks from blocking consumers from joining class action lawsuits to resolve the, their, their disputes with those banks. And the way that banks and other financial institutions normally do that is through the inclusion of an arbitration clause. But the problem is, is that the opposition to these sorts of clauses actually, I think, um, reflects a fundamental misunderstanding of how effective class actions actually are as a way to resolve these disputes. Remember, most of these disputes are for small dollar amounts. And so individual litigation is, is not going to be the most efficient way to handle that, um, which is the benefit of an arbitration, because it's a lot cheaper, a lot quicker, a lot more efficient, and although most people don't know this, more often results in a favorable um, ruling for a plaintiff. Do you agree with that, Mike? There's also class actions, which are really easy for plaintiffs. Yeah, so there's a quite, I mean, there, this bans mandatory arbitrations, right? To the extent that arbitration is efficient and obviously a good solution for people, it is still there as an option. It just bans mandatory arbitration, right? The mandatory put of consumers into this kind of private realm of law. Now, who sues their bank over $30? I mean, you think of how sticky these contracts are. You know, if your bank charges you 20 bucks that was invalid and fraudulent, are you going to sue them? Are you going to leave because, you know, you have to re go to HR and redo all your checking? You have to order new checks. You have to change everything. You're probably just going to eat it, especially if you do not know that other banks have protections as well. So this really does add an important element for consumers. And I think crucially, the big thing here is that it, it removes that mandatory private power element. You do have your ability to go to a court. Uh, you do have your ability to band with other people in a way that is no longer dictated to you by the financial industry as a whole. Raphael, would you agree that for consumers, this is a good thing 
it might not be good for financial organizations. No, it's actually more likely to hurt consumers. And so one of the big reasons that you see some of the support that you're seeing for this new rule is this notion that, you know, there that the uh, consumers are essentially, you know, without power in terms of, uh, you know, coming out on top in these disputes. But the Manhattan Institute actually published a report by um, University of Virginia professor Jason Johnston uh, a while back, and that report actually found that 70 to 90 percent of the time, a bank would actually refund the fees in response to a consumer complaint. And so, again, I think a lot of the support for this new rule, the CFPB, is is based on a fundamental just misunderstanding of what the facts on the ground are. And so the notion that, you know, allowing these consumers to join class actions is somehow going to result in, you know, payoffs for them is just not reflected in reality. I mean, the CFPB's own report that they that they published in support of this rule found that uh, consumers were only getting about $32 um, each uh, in the unlikely event that a class action settled or resulted in a favorable verdict, whereas arbitrations that went to a decision delivered an average of over $5,000 per consumer. So I mean, the notion that this is good for consumers is just, um, again, not rooted in, in the facts. Mike, the CFPB report also found that hundreds of millions of these contracts include arbitration provisions and that companies have used the clauses to keep fights out of court almost two-thirds of the time. Are there other problems with that? Yeah, I mean, if this was so bad, if, if this was such a good thing for the banks that they would now pay less somehow. Um, it's weird that the banks oppose it so much and consumer groups are so actively for it. Um, you know, there is obviously a, a big bias. You know, the New York Times investigated this and, and found quite clearly very few people will ever sue or go to a court or try to go to arbitration over something like 20 or $30. Now, it is true that banks will often, you know, refund things because of there's now much more active enforcement as a result of the CFPB. But broadly, you want to think in terms of what are avenues that people have to find remedies against banks. And they're not going to leave their bank over $20, and especially if other banks may also be committing the same kinds of problems. Raphael, under the Congressional Review Act, lawmakers have 60 legislative days from the time they formally received the rule to overturn the Bureau's decision. And they've used that to reverse 14 rules from the Obama administration. Will they be able to do the same with this rule? Uh, they, they certainly should look into doing that. Um, the question of you know whether or not they'll actually be able to do it is is still up for debate. But I think they will, and I think they should. But even if they don't, this rule is likely going to run into a lot of litigation um, in opposition to it, um, and that litigation is most likely going to be centered on the question of whether or not the uh, CFPB's own findings actually support the promulgation of the rule. And, Mike, the head of the key banking regulator wrote to the head of the CFPB to raise concerns about the rule. Um, the controller of the currency asked that they share data used to develop its arbitration rule. Tell me uh, what the implications of that are in about uh, 45 seconds. Sure. So there's um, obviously, as was just brought up, the, C the Congressional Review Act might be something that happens. The Senate's very busy with health care and soon-to-be tax reform, so there's a question of the timing and a tough vote. The other regulators could overrule the CFPB. The CFPB has this extra accountability measure that two-thirds of the regulators could overrule it, and the OCC's actions could be understood as a measure to try to gain support for that. That is um, going to be a big lift, and it, it is not clear whether or not that would work one way or the other. 
Well, this will be something interesting to watch. Thank you both for being with us here on Bloomberg Law. That's Rafael Manguel. He's a legal policy project manager at the Manhattan Institute. And Mike Gonzal, he's a fellow at the Roosevelt Institute and founder of the Rorty Baum Financial Blog. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Wall Street time and hope you'll join us. Thanks to our producer, David Sucherman, and happy birthday to David. And our technical director, Sean Kilby. You can always find the latest legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com, plus a website for the legal community at BigLawBusiness.com. Coming up next, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. You've been listening to Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.